here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.3 FM in Rustenburg. The viewpoint on SAFM. Seven Zilin Kambule on SAFM. Coming up to 27 minutes to the top of the hour right here on The Viewpoint. I'm Sebenzi Lengambule in for Swangazo this evening. Thank you for staying with us. Remember, you can participate in all of the many conversations we've had this evening, including the one we're moving to next. We go to Russia. But let me quickly give you the numbers again. Ring us on 086-000-2032. You can send through your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Your comments on Twitter at SAFM Radio, and you can tag me at Sebe Ngambule. So South Africa may still have a chance to maintain the BRICS relationship thanks to Russian President Vladimir Putin's domestic problems, which might assist the RAND and regional economies. How, you might ask? South African assets have taken a beating in recent weeks due to worries that the nation's close ties to Russia may lead to sanctions and disinvestment. And Putin's visit to a BRICS summit in Johannesburg in August would have been the real litmus test of South Africa's loyalty to Russia. And of course, this weekend's events and really the world collectively, collectively holding our breath, perhaps uh, might work in our in our favor. Let's speak now to political analyst Asanda who's joining us now on the line. Asanda, it's great to speak to you. Good evening and welcome to The Viewpoint. Good evening and thank you for having me. Perhaps let's start with uh, your your thoughts on what transpired over the weekend and um, and, and since, right? Um, you know, we watched the Wagner Group and, and, and their bold move. Two days later, well, you know, we, we're all kind of wondering what the point was. The leader has has since uh, um, ran off to, to Belarus, if you will. What do you make of, of how it played out? And how, in your view, does Putin look at this moment? Well, I think that, uh, you know, this was potentially, um, you know, an attack that was potentially backed by the U.S. and the other allies who have been trying to get Russia to back off from the Ukraine because we know that, you know, the Wagner head has been a very loyal supporter uh, of of Putin and has been providing him with the, the military way that he needed and the soldiers. And in fact, this is a mercenary group that operates uh, across the African continent and other places outside of um, Africa and, and, and Russia. And so this is a group that literally trades in war. And so it, uh, you know, turning around and suddenly not supporting the, you know, the, the, the Russian army or Russia in general was quite a big deal because it meant that, you know, the, the organization was essentially going against what mercenaries are, which are basically soldiers for pay. And so the question then comes, to say that if if people are mercenaries, a.k.a. soldiers for pay, in order to get them to shift their allegiance, you have to pay them. And so the mm. question that is on everyone's lips is, who paid? And certainly somebody must have paid a bigger price or at least have promised a bigger price uh, to, to the head in order for him to even attempt to march to Moscow and to try and uh, you know deliver some kind of coup against uh, Putin. 
But it, it obviously, as it turns out with these things, that, uh, you know, it seems that Putin probably had the upper hand and probably had something that was more valuable. You know, rumors have surfaced that his family was threatened. I don't know if that's necessarily enough for somebody who runs a missionary group that threatening their family would be enough. I suspect that there might be more that was pop- that was potentially at stake and there might have been more that uh, that would have been threatened because these are two people who know each other very well they've mm. worked very closely together and so if uh, i think if anybody knows Putin's secrets it's the head of wagner and if any if anybody you know knows the head of wagner it's Putin. and so mm. they basically were essentially potentially engaged in a in, in a mutual cancellation and this is what was averted in the conversations and the negotiations that they had. And I think the biggest question, as I said, is if, if mercenaries or soldiers for pay suddenly stop, uh, you know, supporting one side and start supporting another side, mm. the question is always uh, who promised them more money. And so I think for me, that's a much more interesting question than some of the questions that I've heard being asked, because ultimately what has been happening is that, you know, as this war has progressed, the war between the Ukraine and and Russia has progressed, it's become a proxy for a, a much bigger global war. And I think, you know, a lot of people keep focusing on, you know, the, the minutia of it, which is the Russia versus uh, Ukraine war. But mm. what this is, is actually a proxy war for a, a West versus Southern Allied Forces war. Because if you look at NATO, it's most of uh, Europe together with the USA, which is essentially what in the olden days used to be called the West, mm. versus BRICS, which is essentially what in the olden days used to be the southern, uh, the southern allied forces, and so you've got a, a new global world order that is taking place. You've got, you know, the dollarization of economies suddenly under question, meaning that people are saying, why do we have to use the dollar? to mm. trade between a Russia and a China or to trade between a South Africa and a Russia when neither of us have the dollar as our currency. And yeah. so it makes sense that America would then be right at the center of that because their currency and the use of their currency in global trade is suddenly under question. And one of the biggest mistakes that the U.S. made in this particular one is that the U.S. was the first one to throw sanctions and to remove Russia from uh, you know, from 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 the, pay, the payment systems that are used in the West, only to only for China to turn around and say, well, we've got payment system, payment systems that you can use, which yeah. has essentially set up a potential of a world that is split in terms of payments. Because remember, America is America and continues to be America and continues to have the power that it has because people trade using the dollar, the dollar and people yes. use their global financial systems and people use their global information systems. And so if you think yeah. about the fact that we're coming from a Trump who kicked out uh, who kicked out Google from uh, from Huawei phones in the war against TikTok, um, you, you would understand that we now have a world where you don't need to have Google on your phone and you don't need to have the American payment systems and you don't and people are suddenly saying you don't need to trade with the dollar and BRICS is becoming mm. bigger and bigger with more countries uh, you know, wanting to join and become members and you've got the Saudi Arabia relationship that has, between America and Saudi Arabia that has soured. Yeah. Um, which means that Russia as a as an as an oil producing country together with other oil producing countries like like Saudi Arabia and others are now coming together and potentially speaking the same language and so this is bigger than just a russia versus ukraine war and needs to be read with that understanding that this is a this is a proxy war 
for a bigger global economic war. And if you look at even the, the tone and the way in which people were talking to, uh, you know, so-called Western leaders at the at the last meeting that was taking place um, with financial institutions like World Bank and the IMF in Paris, you'll see that even sure. the tone and the way in which Africans are speaking to Western nations has changed. And so we can't just look at this and just focus on it as if it's just this war between yeah. these two neighboring countries. There's a lot there's a lot there's certainly that more to it asana would you say though is, is this why there's some sort of a if you will a bit of disappointment around how this brief mutiny ended right and, and, and how important is how it ended versus the importance of the, the impact really of this brief mutiny in in the future but also for a continent such as such as our own, where Wagner has has such a, a heavy presence in a number of countries. Well, there's obviously um, a, a potential success would have removed a, a Putin, which would have potentially meant that the war in the Ukraine would have stopped, which then suddenly would have stopped the momentum around BRICS and the momentum around, you know, ending the dollarization of the global economy and all the other efforts that go with it. And so, as South Africa, as uh, you know, as Brazil. India and other big regional leaders who are members of BRICS, we're watching this, uh, you know, this this proxy war, as I'm calling it, quite uh, carefully. And I think while, um, you know, what the actions that happened did kind of dent the confidence of, of Putin and his allies, and they did kind of call to question um, the kind of power that he has or doesn't have, I don't think that they were successful in terms of what I think the, the, the West, who I suspect are the people behind the attack would have wanted it to be because I think, in fact, they actually have had the opposite effect in that they have reasserted Mm. Putin's power and reasserted the fact that Putin is such a powerful figure that, remember, there have been talks for a long time and that, you know, uh, the people of Russia do not want Putin in power. He is a dictator, which he is, of course. But there were talks that, you know, if, if the people of Russia just need somebody to be a hero and stand up against Putin and they will do the same and fall in line. And we saw that people didn't do that. And so all of these things that were, were being said and were being stated as fact has, were suddenly proven to not necessarily be fact. So fact number one that was disproven or myth number one that was disproven is that the people of Russia are willing to go against Putin. They didn't. Mm. Mm. In fact, more people were, uh, you know, we, we saw the, the Chechen leader and others coming to his aid and making sure that, you know, they, they slowed down the march to Moscow um, when things were heating up. Mm. 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 My guest this evening is Asanda Ngwasheng, political analyst. We are reflecting on uh, the uh, the mutiny, uh, the brief, very brief uh, mutiny that we saw over the weekend, but we're asking the question, of course, the impact that this might have, what this means for the BRICS summit in Johannesburg. Might perhaps this be the out that South Africa has been looking for? What are your views? Share share your thoughts with us by calling us on 086-000-2032. You can send through your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107 or post your comments on Twitter at SAFM Radio and at Sebeng Gambule. Sebeng Gambule on SAFM. It's coming up to 15 minutes to the top of the hour. Asanda, on the point about 
what what this means for the continent of, of Africa. Let's perhaps just focus on, on BRICS in particular. There's been heavy focus, questions asked, of course, of what South Africa will do should should uh, Putin make his way to the country, where, of course, a signatory to the Rome Statute of um, the International Criminal Court. Might this perhaps offer us an out? Maybe Putin then decides not not to travel as a result of what just just transpired in the country. I mean, I think I think it's 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 quite tricky to answer that in the sense that um, you know the the role of of America has been and will continue to be to put pressure on anybody and everybody that seems to be seen to be supporting um, you know Russia precisely because everything that's happening around Russia and the growth and the momentum that's happening around BRICS is a direct threat to America and America's global domination of financial of financial economic system and the entire you know kind of trade value trade value chain and so even with everything that has happened even with the potential of uh, of of putin not coming to south africa it doesn't necessarily save us from america trying to scare people off or trying to kind of make threats against us we're not the only country that they've made threats against they've also made threats against india they've also made threats against brazil and and china and other countries that have aligned themselves with uh, russia and with uh, particularly the BRICS efforts that have been that have been happening and this is you know this is a known american strategy um you know a few weeks ago people were panicked because america was talking as if they might be considering pulling south africa out of uh, the agora agreement which again like we've had these threats before you know we have been threatened with being pulled out of the agora agreement at the time when south africa was refusing to budge and not wanting themselves to be the recipient of dumped meat of dumped chicken mm. and south africa stood its ground and uh, we continued to be a member of agora and we were threatened yet again when american companies were refusing to abide by BEE laws and uh, and by having a transformation partner for their security companies, and so and again South Africa stood its ground and America cut a filter. Then, um, you know, business continued as it were. And so this is yet, to my mind, another another situation where America will use its power, its trade, its whatever is at its disposal to negotiate and play tough with whatever country they feel is standing. In their way, this is not a new thing, right? And, mm. and and I think that you know only people who don't have an understanding of our history as South Africa with AGOA and 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 U.S. trade agreements will be in a panic when when America starts talking about dropping us from AGOA. Because if you know, if you're aware of the history and you know that this is not the first time we've been threatened, then you'll know that most of those threats are empty because America actually needs us to be able to to trade with them when it can, when it comes to to certain things because South Africa has our, you know South Africa is literally an example of the success of Agoa we mm. have um you know some of we 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 essentially give America the most complex product the most refined product and the most kind of a complex basket of goods when it comes to mm. Agoa compared to the rest of the continent and so if if South Africa is gone then Agoa just becomes and it just becomes yet another kind of raw material extractive agreement by the West to Africa. And that's why it's very difficult for the U.S. to to remove themselves from us. And in fact, you, you'll remember that even when the U.K. itself 
uh, you know, exited exited uh, the EU, yeah. one of the first people that it started you know siding with was South Africa because we are a very big uh, trade partner with them. And so America knows that if they pull out, the UK is ready to take us over. The EU is ready to take us over. And so that's why we're mm-hmm. seeing that suddenly all of these, um, you know, European, American, and all of these people are coming are coming to meet with the president, are coming to, to realign and to reaffirm their agreements with us because South Africa continues to be the gateway into the rest of uh, the continent. And South Africa continues yeah. to to provide, you know, what is essentially for many a shining light of what is possible in terms of trade on the continent. And so if you remove South Africa, if you sideline South Africa, then you might as well lose um, the rest of the continent. Sure. Because although there are countries that do compete with us, they don't necessarily have the complexity of economy that we have. They don't have as vast a private sector. They don't have mm, as mm. vast, you know, a basket of, of, of goods. And, 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 and let's not forget that, you know, that very same AGOA is used by some of the so-called developed countries, um, you know, who, who, who finish off their products in South Africa and kind of uh, squeeze them in via AGOA and via Lesotho. Sure. So, you know, there are many players here who stand to lose if South Africa loses AGOA, including America. And South Africa doesn't have any other big trade agreements uh, with South Africa outside of AGOA. Mm, And so mm. if they kick us out of AGOA, they essentially are kicking us out of trade with them. And America will not take that chance. And, and this context is very important. I take calls in just a moment. Those numbers again, 086-000-2032. That's our direct line. Your comments on Twitter, SAFM Radio and at Sebe Gambule. Uh, good evening, Sebenzile. It's Pedro here from Mafiki. <clears throat> uh, let me just uh, uh, put on my two cents worth here. I think uh, America has been bullied for centuries. I think it's about time we have uh, a new world order or somebody leading different than Americans because they think they can bulldoze everything and everyone. As a matter of fact, Africa, everybody's benefiting from Africa. Perhaps we Africans should be benefiting ourselves too. Everybody's coming with their dollar, their pounds and so forth, but they cannot bake it up with anything. And Africa is the one that's making it possible. How about perhaps Africa also come up with its own currency, one currency to be precise, because we can bake it up with a lot of minerals that it's in our abundance. How about that? Um, SN. Uh, here is my input in this regard of uh, Putin. South Africa should not uh, be threatened by United States. They can keep their dollar and sleep on it. And if Russia is here to ease the cost of living for many people and save many people's lives, because people are facing a huge poverty under this America, then the BRICS put in are very welcome in this country. South Africa should not be threatened by America. Please, they mustn't do that mistake. Brilliant. Thank you very much for those comments. Let's hear from uh, Vuyiswa in Parktown. Vuyiswa, go for it. 
Yes, Serenjit, thanks for taking my call. And I think I have to commend Asanda for the level of understanding that she has, you know, in how uh, this whole thing works. But the only thing I think uh, I go against is that this is not a Ukrainian-Russian war. This is a a NATO, American war against Russia. Uh, We need to understand that. The problem I think that we have in, in South Africa is our media personalities who get up in the morning, you know, instill fear to the people because re- remember, fear destroys your intelligence. I love Trump. Trump hates him, but I, I, I think right now he's got the truth that he's saying he's, he's, he's telling the world. Because America is afraid. Time has come. It's going to collapse. Our brothers and sisters like your Bob Marley, your, your Tupac, and all of them, if you go to their poems, they have already predicted this. America is going down. And South African media want to help America to rise. We are suffering under this uh, monster called uh, superpower. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I, some of us who, who actually studied in Russia during uh, the struggle, you know, uh, at a very tender age, I learned a lot. So the whole Eastern Bloc, Western Bloc mm-hmm. politics, we, that's what we must understand. We must stop, you know, media must stop influencing people, making people afraid of going, what have you. We are already suffering with this whole, whole, the whole entire continent, the richest continent that, I mean, sustains the whole world except its own citizens. All right, Voyiswa in Parktown, thank you for, for your comment. Asanda, l- let me perhaps get your thoughts on that, on, you know, this uh, approach of, of saying actually America can go jump, um, that, that this is this is the, the, the stance, or those, of course, who, who view our stance as a pro-Russia stance, that this is where we want to move towards. Can we actually af- afford that, right, this uh, invitation for this, this new order? What sort of opportunities does it present? but what sort of challenges does it potentially present? I think the question is not whether can we afford that. The question is more um, can we afford to not side with the global majority who is the southern allied partners who are seeking emancipation from Mm. um, America and the West and the inequality of uh, the global financial system. If you heard, as I said, in Paris, when those conversations were going on around the World Bank and the IMF and the kind of packages that they're giving, people were quite empathetic to say, we need a more equal conversation. We need a more equal partnership. Right now, we have, you know, America the West, and the West and, and other countries within the G7 who determine what's going to happen at IMF, who have a, a higher say in what happens at IMF and World Bank, while we just become the, the recipients of aid. And, and, and therefore, because we receive aid, we then get told what to do with our own fiscus. And so if you mm-hmm. understand, you know, the whole Brenton Woods institutions and the, and, and the, and the kind of revolt against it, which goes back you know, to the 90s and even earlier. It's not a new thing that, uh, you know, the global majority has attempted to say no more. Mm-hmm. This is this is a, this a has been a long time coming and it's been decades of, uh, you know, people in, in, in South Africa, in India, in Brazil, and all of these other countries saying we need a more equal, a, a more equal 
um, global financial system because for as long as the system is in unequal, for as long as the price of coffee is set in is, is set in New York, for as long as you know the price of goods made in Africa are set uh, you know in in London, we're not going to go very far. We need a system wherein the person who produces the goods sets the price and gets the the, the maximum amount of money from the goods. So if we don't have that system, then we are going to continue to suffer. We are going to continue to be on our knees with our hands out um, begging. And so, you know, what what people don't understand is that we we are stuck between a rock and a hard place. If we go and we side with America, we are isolating ourselves from the rest of the world, Mm. the global majority. And if if we continue to side with the global majority, then if the global majority wins, then we will be on the side of good and mm. we will be we will be in solidarity with our brothers and sisters who were in solidarity with us even during apartheid. So how how is this non-aligned must... stance, um, Asanda, just as a part of it, how is this non-aligned stance serving us? It is serving us because it is it is it, it, it is ensuring that the global the global alliance the global majority that is currently an alliance and seeking and calling for an end to in, to unequal relations at the you know at, at in, in terms of global of global trade actually happens if we put our if we remove our foot from the pedestal now we are voting for you know, continued inequality, for continued oppression, and for continued unequal relations, which means that we have the gold, but we will sell the gold to global markets who will, who will give us the least amount of money, and then will take and refine that gold, and then, you know, sell it back to us, you know, at exorbitant sure. amounts, yeah. and then sell it to the rest of the world, and make millions. So you've got, for example, you know, you've got countries that uh, that don't have diamonds, you know, that don't have diamonds, but are the biggest diamond traders. Mm. You've mm. got countries that don't have gold, but are the biggest gold traders. You've got countries that don't have coffee, sure. but are the biggest coffee, um, you know, are the biggest coffee coffee trade trade industries. You've got countries that don't have olive oil, but are the biggest olive oil traders. That cannot continue. On and, that note, and, and, on that and, note, yeah. Asanda, we cannot continue because our time is up. Thank you very much for your contribution to the show as always, Asanda Ngwasheng, who is a political analyst on the line there. Where did all the time go? On the other side of the news with Mudubi, it is a night talk with Bertha Charuma who's standing in for Oliver Dixon this evening. Let me thank you very much for your audience this evening. Dumelo, Amanda, Nesejo, thank you very much for driving things behind the scenes until, or whenever next time might be, I am Sebenzile Gambule. It's 10 o'clock.